You're listening to the TNT Podcast, the training and nutrition truth. Whether you're just the average Joe or the bodybuilder bro, we are bringing you the no bullshit approach to all things fitness. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the TNT Podcast. I'm John Gorman, joined by Sal Frisella. What's up, Sal? What's going on, Johnny? Not a lot. We also have Dr. Chad Kirksick in the house again. What's up, Chad? Hey there, John. How's it going? Great. We have Tyler, our producer. What's up, Tyler? How's it going, boys? And we have a very special guest today, Dr. Jacob Wilson. What's up, Jake? Hey, John. It's great to be here today. I just flew in from Tampa. Yeah, it's cold as hell compared to Tampa, <laughs> a man. A lot different weather here. Yeah, you, you ready like to go that back? Sun, that, that water out front? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. The, the drainage water? Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> just like the ocean. <laughs> just like the ocean, <laughs> right? The same. It reminds me I'm of gonna, home. I'm going to put a little salt in it just so you feel like you're at home. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we have a very, very good podcast lined up over ketogenic dieting, and you're one of the foremost experts in the industry, so we're super excited to have you here. A little bit about Jake. Uh, Jake and I have been good friends now for a few years. I've been down to Tampa to hang out with you at your lab. Sorry about University. that, Jake. <laughs> I've been down to hang out with you for like a week or two each time at, at the University of Tampa when you worked there, attended your conferences. We've done a lot of stuff. Went out to eat uh, some really low-fat ice cream, which was awesome. We need to bring to the area. But besides being friends, um, you know, you've accomplished a lot over the years. I've read a lot of your research. So to have you come in and talk about keto is super exciting. Now, I know Chad also knows you very well. Chad, you've known Jake for years. You bet. Yeah, it's hard to uh, not be in the sport nutrition industry and not and not catch Wilson flying across the publication. I don't know. Is that good or bad? No. Like, is it like the tabloids or it is it like the publication? Uh, no, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good stuff. His, his, his group's been a juggernaut, been an absolute juggernaut. Very impressive. Yeah, so, well, thanks, so a couple things about Jake real quick, and then I'll let him kind of explain what he's done in the industry. He was the 2013 NSCA Young Investigator of the Year. Um, he has over 150 peer-reviewed and research papers published. He was featured in Generation Iron. And really, Jake, you're working on so much new cutting-edge stuff that's coming out constantly. Kind of give us an idea of, of what you have going on now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Um, <clears throat> thanks for having me down in St. Louis. It's nice to be here. And uh, first time I've definitely seen snow all year, <laughs> like even close to it. Um, but, yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff, you know, actually on ketogenic dieting and basically – uh, how to optimize a ketogenic diet. So before kind of our research, it's been mainly in clinical models, um, obesity models, which is awesome um, because we need that, but no one had really looked at it in a, a per high performance training um, uh, model. And that's what we've been doing a lot of our research. So we've been looking at this stuff from the whole body all the way to the molecular level. Yeah, really cool. Um, for the listeners that don't know who you are, kind of give us an idea of what got you into the industry. I know you have a passion for muscle gain, fat loss, performance. Kind of give us a background on on what your passion is and what got you into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually so I'm originally from California. Um, so and you know some really laid back. You'll know some really laid back and chill type of guy like California people are. And uh, my dad Floyd Wilson got us into sports. I mean, we just that's what we did. You grew up, you, you played sports, you know, you, you, you played, uh, you know, our, our sports that were actually games were like John Madden football. You know, we were all boys in the house, <laughs> my poor mom. And, uh, you know, you'd get over in fights over John Madden. And, uh, you know, I know also, that really, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> a lot of broken controllers, yeah. a lot of broken controllers, a lot of, a lot of broken controllers. So my, my main sports were like um, martial, martial arts. I kickboxed, I boxed. 
and then um, I played hockey, which kind of goes together, I guess, because <laughs> there's a lot of fighting in hockey. And um, when I first started, uh, when I graduated from high school, um, I went on and I played junior hockey in Canada, and it's always hard to put on size, really hard to put on size. And the guys there, you know, I'm 5'8", you know, I was maybe like 150 pounds playing hockey. And uh, these guys, the average height was like six foot, over 200 pounds. So I was like, man, I got to put on size. I got to put on, I got to get stronger, you know. And uh, so I, I became obsessed with that. And I was like, man, you can go to school for this. So I went, <clears throat> my undergraduate was um, in, uh, in sport nutrition. And then I did, uh, my ma I did a master's in sports psychology and then in exercise physiology. And then um, I did my doctorate. Um, with a focus on like the impact of nutrition on how muscles adapt to like higher intensity training, more like strength power type of training. And actually, so we did a lot of human models, but we also did like a lot of uh, animal models. So we had like uh, rats lifting weights and stuff like that. And uh, so that's kind of my, that's my background. Then I went into, um, then out of there, I went into University of Tampa where we established like a human performance lab, did a lot of work with like professional athletes, some professional bodybuilders, like you said, the Generation Iron movie, that was a lab in there. And then now more recently, and this is kind of the first time I'm actually talking about this at all, I've been throwing hints out there, what we built and are finishing the building of a new 21,000 square foot facility that's, a, that's gonna be called uh, Applied Science and Performance Institute. So it's gonna be like a playground, like a Disneyland, for sports science, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. So like Rob Deerdeck's Fantasyland or Fantasy yeah, Camp, yeah. whatever they call that place? Yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Pretty <laughs> nice. um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're up to. And we just, like I said, it's like we do a bunch of research on on this, how nutrition impacts uh, training, how supplements impact training, and how tra how you can optimize training variables like periodization or short-term training variables for optimal body composition. Awesome. It's awesome to see you, you know, pushing the envelope and trying to, to take things to the next level. Really enjoyed following that. So to our topic today, keto, what I know that you're one of the one of the leaders in the in the industry as far as keto research and and coming up with new ways to do different things with gaining muscle and losing fat. What's what got you into keto? Like, what do you like so much about keto? Well, my biggest thing is I like the extremes and like anyone who like right. falls <laughs> this of it. I like the extremes. And so if you think about it, we spend a lot of time looking at, at, at the extremes, you know, very, very high carbohydrate diets and things like that. Well, what really got me into this is if you look at studies, everyone likes to quote studies. And what are they showing? They're showing the average outcome. That's the mean. Well, if you look at a study, you might have 20 subjects in a group. The average is what happened. On average, they lost 10 pounds, right? But you, then you look at the individuals, and you might have three guys who gained fat. And so you're like, oh, follow this diet. This is proven by a study. Well, three guys in that study gained fat. So my point is you have responders and non-responders. And you might apply a study to someone, and for some reason, they don't respond, whether it's a training method or nutrition method. So my point is having more tools in the toolbox. And so that's why I got into ketogenic dieting as, as an alternative tool if someone doesn't respond to more traditional ways. And that's what got me fascinated into it. Yeah, I, I I love it because I'm I'm the same way. I love extremes. I like trying and experimenting with new things with my clients and myself. So, I'm definitely a big fan of keto when it's needed. Uh, so for those of our list, for the listeners out there that don't necessarily know exactly what keto is, a lot of people just think no carbs or low carbs. They don't understand. Can you kind of 
give a rough definition and then we'll start getting into the, uh, the details of it. Yeah. So the first time that I thought, I thought I did keto, I was like in college, you know, and into, into bodybuilding and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going to go keto. And I felt horrible. Turns out my diet was like chicken and like, basically all I did was I was doing like a bodybuilding diet, you know, egg whites, chicken, stuff like that. And all I did was cut out the carbs. No carbs. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I was like, I'm keto. And I felt awful. And it turns out that like, that's not ketogenic dieting. That's just very low carbohydrate, low fat dieting. So ketogenic dieting is as crazy as it sounds. Your fat dominates your diet. You're like 70, 75%. Fat. In fact, the original diets that were used in the hospitals were like 85, 90% fat. So this 70, 75% fat of your, is your diet, 20, 25% is protein, and about 5 to 10% is carbohydrate. So we're talking about like high, high fat stuff, you know, bacon with, um, you know, like a, a burger with bacon and cheese, blue cheese on top of that, you know, bring me extra butter. Like that is ketogenic dieting. Um, and the unique part about ketogenic dieting, it throws you into that state of ketosis. Yeah, and you know, you brought up the the harsh ways, and and I have that on my list to talk about. There's a lot of diet coaches out there and trainers that, you know, I have a a lot of people come to me after they've done a ketogenic diet. They thought it was keto, and it was low carb or no carb, you know, trace carbs, <clears throat> and low fat, high protein, mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of and that stems from the bodybuilding world, you know, way back in the day. Um, but people still stick to that, and they think that that's keto. However, whenever you don't have an energy source, you don't have very much fat in your diet or carbohydrates in your diet and high protein. I mean, it's a recipe for muscle loss. I mean, it's just a disaster. 100% disaster. And I think that's the point is that, so the thing about ketogenic dieting is, that first off, if you're super high protein, the protein can convert, like it's good to be moderately high protein. 25% is a good amount of your diet, you know? But if on keto, if you're over that, well, the problem is that it'll convert over to carbs, and you'll never be able to get into ketosis, and that's kind of the issue. Can you explain that a little bit to our listeners so they understand the process, yeah. what your how your body operates in that sense? Absolutely. Okay, so we think about it like this. Most most of the time, you're carb-adapted, which means that the main, your main fuel source is carbohydrates. And so if you eat carbs, that's what you're going to use. Your brain loves carbs. Everything's going to use carbs. Well, what happens is when you eliminate carbs, now all of a sudden your body's like, holy shit. That's basically what it's saying. And that's what you feel like, right? So for me, I know like trying keto, it probably took me 10 times. Right. You know, yeah, because you feel like shit and you're like, man, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm not doing this. that shit. I'm done with this. Yeah. It's horrible. I was telling you, I had the keto flu, which for those of you who don't know, is physically, you feel like you have the flu. Yeah. And it is miserable. And you're like, man, fuck this. I don't care. I don't even want to be in shape because I'm not feeling like this again. <laughs> exactly. And your pumps go away. You feel like flat. Flat. So it's like, well, so that's what key, what happens is you want your body to what we call adapt, keto adapt. That's what like um, a scientist, Steve Finney, called it, keto adaptation. What does that mean? When your fat's high enough and your protein's at the point where it's just being used for building muscle and repairing tissue, which is 20-25%, and your carbs are low, now your bodies go, I, I have to use fat as fuel. So what it does is over about a two, three-week period of time, it will start to adapt so now it's switched over. So fat's its primary fuel source, and it won't use carbs as much. Um, now, so that, that's, that's what keto adaptation is. Now, the thing is, your body takes fats, and it converts them to ketones. And so everyone's like, what are ketones, right? All right, so we have three macronutrients that we like to think of. Carbs, fats, proteins. So three macronutrients, carbs, fats, proteins. 
Well, you can kind of think of ketones as almost like a fourth macronutrient, and they're similar to fat. Fat, though, like if you look at like cream, what's cream do if you put it in water? Boom, rise to the top. That means it's not, it can't mix in water. It's not water soluble. Ketones are like fats, but they can mix in water. So we, it's almost like they're water soluble fats. And the cool thing about them is that basically they actually provide more energy um, than per um, gram or per, per, uh, per, per unit. Per unit. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, more ATP than like anything else. They're very efficient. So that's what, once you switch over, all of a sudden you start to feel good. And the cool thing about being keto adapted is basically like in between meals, when you normally crash, your ketones actually start to rise. So you don't crash anymore. That's keto adaptation. And to be honest, sometimes it, I say in two weeks, you can kind of be keto adapted, but in reality, it's probably going to take a few months before you feel like, cause you've been eating carbs your whole life before you feel like, boom, I'm just like I was when I was on carbs, except now I don't crash anymore. So do you think your body is designed to run on carbs in that sense and you teach it to run on fats? Or is this kind of like that segue where it's, we don't know, we know it does both. Great question. So I think that there's a concept known as like metabolic flexibility. And metabolic flexibility means I can use carbs if I want. I can use fat if I want. Um, But then basically, if we have carbs all the time, we become sort of inflexible. And mainly it's just, I've been having my whole life. You're just adapted for years and years. I think that basically, if you look at like, um, depends on where your geographical location is, where you were, I think your body basically is designed to run on whatever you feed it. It's a badass tool. Yeah, it's a badass tool, basically. The only thing it doesn't do well is if you throw both at the same time in high amounts. Right, because it doesn't know what to do with them. That's why it stores. In both sense, it'll it'll store them. Boom. Then that's that's the problem with the society is they're doing both. Pizza. Pizza, yeah. Right. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a product of pizza. And I have to, Jacob, I have to, I have to correct you here. You're, you're a newcomer here. But there is, there's already a fourth macronutrient, and it's called alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want ketones to be five, that's okay. <laughs> Four is, is alcohol. He is that at first form headquarters. That's so. already been determined on the podcast that is yeah. several yeah. times over. Yeah. So. Which we could talk about, and it's rolling keto, too. I just saw you post an article on Facebook right there. I was, I was reading it whenever we got started, and I was like, oh, I'll shut this down. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you brought up an interesting point. So when someone's you know, running on ketones, they're in ketosis. Um, they're actually burning. Here's the way I like to think of it because ketones yield about seven calories per gram. They're fractionated fats. So when say we're just sitting here, well, you're actually in ketosis now, I believe, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you're sitting here and say, say you burn, I don't know, 200 calories just sitting here over the course of the next couple hours, we're sitting here talking, you're burning more calories at rest than you would be on a carbohydrate diet. Is that accurate? Is that, is that correct? Well, it's interesting. So everyone's always interesting is, is there a metabolic advantage to ketogenic dieting? And so this is one of the most controversial topics with scientists. Um, and I think that there could be, but basically what happens is this, your body, your brain still needs carbs. It didn't matter if I'm keto, my blood glucose is actually still normal. Like, it's probably around 80 right now, which would be just like you guys, same as you guys. How's that the case? Um, And, well, basically, the thing is, if you don't have the carbs, your body actually has to take um, part of the fat molecule, the backbone of the fat molecule, and convert it to glucose. And that's very inefficient, and it takes a lot of energy to do. That's why we think there could be a metabolic advantage to ketogenic dieting. Um, and also converting even protein over to carbs is not very efficient. Well, and I think it's like a 50-50 ratio in that sense, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Because your body sees 
protein as a primary fuel source or so bioavailable it's easy to kind of process through that yeah. it uses it as fuel or converts it to sure. glucose. Because, I mean, you need your brain to function. You do. You know, we, we talk about, or I talk about this all the time when we do our sales training calls. Your, your body's designed to survive. It's not designed to look good. So it's yes. always going to go into fight or flight. You know, so you can trick it. And I think that's where, you know, the quote-unquote bro science comes into play. But I, I love hearing the education or the, the science on the back end of why. You know, like why? Why does keto beneficial in this sense? You know, yeah. but does it make carbs bad? No. I think it makes where you're going to go. Which way? Exactly. Yeah. So be, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, um, let's let's talk about some of the myths, and then we'll talk about how to start it, so people understand going into everything that we're going to talk about and how to lay it out. Let's get some of the myths and facts out of the way, um, and I have a list of them here for you. So um, one of the one of the myths, the thing I hear all the time, and it's even from some of the top coaches in the bodybuilding industry or just top diet coaches in general. They say, you know, when you go on a ketogenic diet, especially if you're a natural athlete, you lose all your muscle. So what's what's the what's your take on that? Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why we started studying it. I heard so many people say you can't gain muscle on keto and you'll lose muscle on keto. So I was like, well, let's just see. Because I honestly, I didn't know, you know, because I know that when every time I started keto and I, had, I was more of a novice to keto at first, like Sal said, I would get flat. And that, therefore, you equate that to you've lost muscle. But in reality, what's going on is at first, your muscle carb stores are going down. You're flat. Your muscle's not, your dry muscle's not getting, losing it. So what we did is we did a study where we adapted bodybuilders to training and basically, or, or weightlifters as well, like power lifters, as well as like bodybuilders. And they, they were strong guys. And basically what we have is we at first adapt them. We let them adapt for a couple weeks. And then we train them against guys who are on carbs. And they gained as much muscle as the guys who were on carbs. But they actually lost some more fat. So that's the cool thing. So in that sense, though, so for when you talk about 25% protein base, baseline in the diet, are you upping the calories in the, in the ketone or in the, or excuse me, in the, in, the, in the ketogenic diet to compensate or, you know, to compensate for, you know, because lean muscle is protein, right? So yep. Are you actually upping the calories so that 25% falls into that protein guy? Gotcha. Line? Yeah. It's usually around, you're usually around close to a gram per pound. It's probably the highest I would go on keto. And then the lowest, like probably like 0. 0.8 grams 0. per 8, pound. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's 0. right. At, yeah. yeah. 1.5 grams per kg. Yeah. Exactly. Is, yeah. Yeah. So that's the key. I think with keto, if you go below that, you do start to see size losses. Now, here's the thing the question is a lot of bodybuilders will freak out at that. Right wait a second, I'm having like three grams of protein per pound of body or two grams right. per pound, right? And the thing, here's the coolest thing to understand. Ketones spare protein. They spare amino acids from being used, especially like BCAAs. They prevent them from being broken down. So we actually did like a study where we keto adapted and then we gave like BCAAs. The BCAAs actually rose up higher in the blood when you were keto adapted than when not because it spares the protein. So you may not have to have protein as high. Yeah. And, you know, back to the point you talked about, a lot of people say you can't gain muscle on keto. Um, Jake, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Leslie did a four month, almost a five month run of high fat keto in her off season. And her squat in December was 250 pounds on a carbohydrate based diet in May. And I remember Leslie's a natural athlete in May. She squatted 300 pounds. It was a world record. That was Crazy. four to five months on high fat keto with a, with a once a week refeed. 
but still, and she carved up for her meat, but still she was hitting those numbers leading up to her meat. So that just, I mean, obviously I can't see this in a lab, but when I can see something like that, I mean, that's real world, that's real world results. It is real world. So let's step outside the bodybuilding community and talk about, you know, high intensity sport activity. Mm -hmm. Where where do you see the ketogenic diet? I mean, because, you know, the big, I think the big push right now, at least just for me, because I'm, this is something that I'm not educated on. I'm totally like really Joe Blow here. I understand probably more than the the regular person, but in this conversation, you know, I'm definitely the least educated, but I know it's getting hot in the endurance community versus explosion community. So where do you, where do you see the keto role in both or, or why does it support in both? Great question. So basically a good, a friend of mine, Dr. Jeff Volick has been doing a lot of research on endurance athletes and it's the craziest thing. Basically, um, if you look normally we can use like, uh, during exercise about, a half a gram of fat a minute, I would say maybe 30 grams an hour. He found that in athletes who have been on keto for 15 months are using like, um, I'll say 90 grams an hour. You know, it's un- literally unheard of. Right. Like even in past studies, there's a study by Benoblis. They looked at literally tons of people and the highest person was using basically 60 grams an hour, right? But the average was like 30. But on keto... The, the um, like lowest person was using 60 grams of fat an hour and some people up to 120 grams of fat an hour. So you're using fat at a high, high amount. So one of the things is think about when you crash. Everyone talks about hitting the wall. What's hitting the wall? You've run out of carbs. Yeah, there's no fuel. No fuel. So you could only store so many calories um, as, as carbs, maybe like 2,000 total calories in your whole body, let's say, on average, right? And the local muscle is going to be much less than that, right? So um, the liver has about 100 grams of carbs, you know, in it. So, so you'll run out of that like that. That's what hitting the wall is. Well, think about this for a second. You hitting the wall as an endurance athlete, running out of carbs, you literally have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of calories, you know, 50,000 plus, you know, even for like a lean guy on fat. You hitting the wall in an endurance race, it's like a, a fuel tanker or something like that, running out of gas on the road when this massive tank of fuel. And why can't they use it? They're not adapted to tap into it. And so keto adaptation allows you to tap into a larger fuel tank. So now you can keep going. You don't hit a wall. And that's what he, that's what we think is good for endurance. So when you say thousands and thousands and thousands, cause I mean, there's not, you know, at least in the competitive environment, there's not a lot of fat endurance people, right? Not a lot of fat marathon. Runners. Yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> if a guy's super lean, like ridiculously lean, it's still the same advantage. 50, still like yeah. 50. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really large number. You're really yeah. large. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all those, all the numbers with the tens of thousands of ATPs, it's not with, yeah. it's not with an obese person I right. mean, or even somebody who's, a little chubby. I mean, right. it's it's. I mean, those numbers are usually done on people that are. Why, why do you look at me? I, <laughs> that's just a general direction. Right? Look at <laughs> talk about chubby people. Uh, I'm trying not yeah, to be so, as chubby. You know, so those are. I mean, you know, so that 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 I think is just a, a just a really important point to highlight. So not everybody thinks, oh, well, that that doesn't that doesn't apply to me. I'll run out because I'm super lean. No, no. no. What about the, what about like the high level CrossFitter? Yeah, the high-level CrossFitter is really interesting. The, the one thing I think is important for them is, again, when you're performing on those high metabolic demands, one thing we know is, okay, you have transporters that transport ketones into tissue, and those transporters are the same to, to be used basically by our fat 
burning, uh, I'm say fuel house, which is called mitochondria. Right. So to transfer those ketones into this cell, basically those same transporters also transport like lactate and lactic acid and stuff like that. So what we actually find is basically that when you're keto dieting, you don't get that same metabolic like stress. You don't feel that same burning where you almost feel like you're cramping up. It's, it's totally different. So you can actually might have better. Now we have to look at this more than a lot, but I'm hypothesizing you might have better strength endurance, which is really what uh, CrossFit is about. So it could be very beneficial. And plus CrossFitters don't like carbs. So it's like if they're low carb, might as well adapt. Man, that was a pretty generalized statement. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was general. You know, the man yeah. speaks the truth. I mean, yeah. hey, you CrossFit, you don't like carbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, no very. I like carbs. That's like you ever seen that YouTube video? I like turtles. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jacob, I mean, does that does the same scenario kind of hold true? Kind of going back to like that um, endurance person, where you know if they're towards the end of an endurance bout and you know and they need to make a push that that they've if they're keto adapted they've been burning more and more fat so thus their glycogen stores are 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 saved i mean great so that, question so when they really get into a really high intense that they have more available great question because it it transitions to the other side of what sal talked about was the high intensity stuff so jeff Volick looked and basically you're using high high fat all the way up to very high intensities but once you go to maximal intensity, you can use carbs. It's got to be maximal. So what that means, just like you pointed out, Chad, is you can spare carbs because everyone goes, well, how can I train high intensity if I don't have carbs in my muscle? Well, we actually tested that, and so did Volick. We did a resistance training model, a study, and, um, and Volick did endurance. He actually found that when you do endurance, that first off, the endurance athletes, they're eating like 30 grams of carbs a day. Their muscle carb source, glycogen, was the same as when they were high carb at the beginning. And here's the craziest part. After they did the endurance bout, when their glycogen was low, they gave the keto group a high-fat protein shake. They gave the uh, other carb group a high-carb uh, uh, shake. They both replenished carb source at the same amount. Now, that's not crazy. Talk about the body wow. being yeah, a right. complex wow. machine. That that says it right there. It's pretty interesting, actually. That's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. 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 It shows you, though, that it primarily wants carbs, right, for function in that sense? It shows basically that it can make carbs, basically. Yeah. For high-intensity abouts, it can make them without carbs. Because it but yeah, it, well, it, 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 yeah, so. it recognizes them as like, a, as like a, you know, for brain function. It's right, an important right? I mean, that's why it's, At least yeah. in, in, you know, yeah. my bro science way. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's converting just, them that way just, so your body has yeah, them. I mean, it's kind of this, this, this largely unknown mechanism that our that our that our body has conserved as a, as a means to, to, to produce, you know, it's, it's, it's preferred fuel source. If it completely had its way, you know what I right. think That's what you're saying. It's yeah, just, I mean, you know, it's... so, but if you force it into this scenario where it, where it basically has to keto adapt, then, then, then it, it can also maintain, um, maintain those glycogen stores as well. It that's, shows that's, me that's, it's that's order really of operation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, Hey, I'm gonna do this first. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to make sure I got my 80 to 100 grams stored. Yeah. And then I'll do whatever with the rest of it. Exactly. Which is cool. I mean, it's really cool. It's You see what happens in the background. Science does not know or has not known for years and years and years, but you, you, you open those doors. You exactly. Know? And, and that's is why a lot of times with bodybuilders or, or people who just train, even crossers, everyone wants to go to the gym and they want blood flowing the muscle. They want to feel like they're working out. So they lose kind of that pump and stuff like that. 
well, that can come back. Right. Yeah, it's def- definitely interesting. Plus, you, know, you can intra workout carbs, right? I mean, in the in the, ke- in the keto that's a good question, you know, yeah. in the ketosis set. I mean, because I get asked this all the time. I have a family member. Well, I have a well, I have a family member who's a high endurance. You know, he's a he's a great runner. He's a uh, he does like sprint tries, and you know, he does half Ironmans and the whole deal. And he always talks about intra carb, you know, replenishment and the whole deal. And we always talk about it. And I love having a conversation because he's a keto. I mean, he's a keto lover. I mean, fall, you know. He would live in your household, right? He'd eat, <laughs> eat like your dog. But I was telling him, like, dude, don't be afraid to eat carbs when you're, you know, in a workout. I mean, you're fine. Your body's going to mow through these things. You're not coming out of ketosis, right? Like, but I think that's the fear or the negative to the, you know, to the, I don't want to say the undereducated ketosis dieter, but th- they look at carbs like the devil. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, man, it's going to kill me. I'm going to come out. Like, no, nah, you'll be all right. Like, yeah. your body's going to, when you're mowing, when that, when, when that body temperature or your body's, in, you know, burning through calories, those, those carbs are not going to touch you. Well, there, yeah. there's, there's different types of ketogenic dieting, too. Um, you know, you have cyclical ketogenic dieting where you basically go most of the week, 7 to 10 days, and then you have a carb up, and then you have targeted ketogenic dieting, Sal, which you kind of just brought up, which is carbs around the workout or intra-workout. You know, I have a lot of my clients that do go keto. They might have, like, 30 carbs of, like, ignition, which is dextrose, glucose, intra-workout. So there's there's different times. And then there's, like, standard ketogenic dieting, basically where you just you – just, are in keto for a long time. So you've got a bunch of different ways. It really just depends, you know, if you're going to have carbs around the workout, it depends on how much you have, because if you do have too much, especially different types, you know, if, if there's a lot of fructose, it'll kick you out very, very rapidly. So there's, there's other types. It really, it really depends on performance when it comes down to how I've died to my clients. But for the most part, I've, I've seen that it, it doesn't really matter if you have carbs around the workout or just a straight high fat ketogenic diet. Most people feel pretty good. The mm-hmm. drawback is if they do have too many carbs, it kicks them out of ketosis. They feel like shit mm-hmm. until they drop back in and, and they show those signs. Exactly. And that's the point is uh, it's a tool. That's why I think of carbs. Like, like Sal said, people are terrified, but it's a tool. Now, if someone literally is doing keto and they're sitting on their behind all day, well, yeah, they probably shouldn't eat carbs. Right. You know, but like your brother, he's, do, you know, he's doing a lot of endurance events. Carbs can be super beneficial. Like Peter Atia is big time on ketogenic, and he has a, like a lot of carbs during his uh, workouts, and he stays in ketosis. Right. You know, but if you're like a power lifter, on the other hand, uh, maybe, and you're just you're doing sets of one to five, and you're resting five minutes between sets, maybe a little bit just for the cognitive effect, right? So it depends on the sport. Jacob, what so what what about? I mean, I mean, intermittent strength and power team sports. Mm-hmm. Great I mean, question. Any application there? You know, because you know we've you know, we've kind of talked about key, we've talked about CrossFit, and you know I mean you know, I mean CrossFit is really usually I mean really really I mean high intensity for a, a, a relatively short amount of time, um, so you kind of get into more more like team sports scenarios, and the duration can get can 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 stretch out a little bit longer. Yeah, great question. So we have found basically with strength, you can gain as much strength. Like for example, when you do keto as non keto, with the intermittent. The thing is, again, I know like from playing hockey, you know, you get off a shift and your legs would just, you wouldn't be able to move them. They're so full. That kind of goes goes away. So this is an area that we really have to do more research in. But I would suspect that basically your ability to do repeated sprinting, which is what intermittent sports really do. You go out there, you sprint, and then you rest and you sprint again. That, that your ability to maintain the initial sprint could be even better, but I don't know that. Um, but that's one thing uh, um, I would want to test. Did you just bro science us? 
I, I kind of did bro science you. Yeah. You could tell that bodybuilding world's yeah. rubbing off on you. I did. Bit. I did bro science you. Yeah. Yeah. So. So let's, uh, let's, let's knock out a couple more of these myths and then, yeah. then let's get into the nuts and bolts sure. of, of everything involved. So one of the things a lot of people worry about, and it's just, it's completely an uneducated response that people get. Um, you know, someone says, Hey, I'm going to start a ketogenic diet and their buddy or their friend or their mom or whatever says, you're going to have to worry about this life-threatening condition called ketoacidosis. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's your response to that? Great question. So, uh, so when we talk about ketoacidosis, basically you're talking about like um, when levels. So we look at ketones in millimolars, right, in our blood. It's just a concentration. And normally, if you were to test, if someone's on carbs, you might be like, when you wake up in the morning fasting, like 0.1 or or not even showing at all. Ketoacidosis is like when you have uncontrolled diabetes, and basically what happens is ketones go up to like 15 to 20 millimolars in your blood, and they're so high that you become kind of acidic. So it's ketoacidosis, not good at all. So doctors, oh my God, don't keto, don't do ketogenic dieting. You'll you'll um, you know have ketoacidosis. When you do nutritional ketosis, on average in our studies, we see like 0.5 to one. And the uh, millimolars on average, and then maybe you'll see some guys get out to three to five millimolars. That's nutritional ketosis, and you don't uh, change your blood acid levels, basically. So if someone just if someone doesn't you know have a medical condition, they really just don't have to worry too much about ketoacidosis. No, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so that's that's the point. Nutritional ketosis, you're not gonna even come close. Not even come close. And then one more that a lot of people hear, you know, because it's a high fat diet, you know, a lot of people hear the word fat and they think fat's bad. And then you, you see, you know, saturated fats, you know, coconut oils and, and just, it doesn't matter whatever the fat is, Mm -hmm. saturated fat in the meats. And they say, you know, fat's bad, especially saturated fat. And then also if you do this long term, if you do it a lot, it's going to clog your arteries. It's bad for your heart. What's your response to that, to that myth? Yeah, great question. So bottom line is that fats are just, they're a fuel source. Saturated fats are really more inert, although high saturated fats seem, seem to be associated with like raising testosterone levels, which is kind of really cool, um, especially for athletes who are like have, um, you know, going through extreme conditions, you know, uh, uh, that, that can be very beneficial. Fats are good, again, for hormones and function. But again, yeah, go ahead, Chad. Okay. Um, But the main thing is that the thing you have to understand is this. Like, there's not an association between, like, dietary fat and cardiovascular disease. That's just, it's it's false. The problem is that uh, when you have high amounts of fat with high amounts of carbs, you can't use the fat. And that's the problem. That's when you, quote, clog your arteries. When you are low carb and you have very high fats, you just turn the fat over. You just use it as fuel, and then and that's the thing. So it's it's not bad under uh, keto conditions. And, and John, just let me add to that because Jacob just very br- briefly just kind of mentioned you know some of the, some of the recent work. But I'd say within the last three to five years, there's been some really large um, um, epidemiology types, so large population based studies kind of related to nutrition that have, that have kind of given us a lot more insight that, that, that whole, like, I mean, you almost call it a wives tale at this point about the, 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 this, the negative relationship between saturated fat intake and like, you know, um, cardiovascular disease is, is really, is it, it, it may not be present at all. It's definitely nowhere near as strong as what we were led to believe through the eighties and the nineties. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the last one that I have here, and this is one a lot of people are scared of. Um, they say, well, and I, and I get this a lot when I recommend it to my clients to get, you know, the last bit of fat off in a dieting period. They're like, well, won't I blow up and gain fat when I come off a ketogenic diet? And I think a lot of people think that because it well, here, first of all, it doesn't matter what diet you come off of. A lot of people blow up and gain fat after whether it's a high carb based diet and they, they lose 20, 30 pounds. It does, it's not necessarily a diet, but a lot of people fear that because they haven't had carbs in a long time, all of a sudden when they start eating them, they're going to store them rapidly as fat. What's your response to that? So the thing is, like you pointed out, John, anytime you diet hard, you have a chance to rebound. You're going to gain fat if you diet it hard, whether it's low carb or it's whatchamacallit. Um, what, I, my, what I would say is this, that you if you're going to transition, you can't just all of a sudden go from 30 grams of carbs to, oh, I was 500 uh, um, before, so now I'm back to 500. Well, yeah, you're going to store fat, you know? Um, so you have to transition into it. And I think if you transition the right way, um, then you're fine, you, you know, like any diet. Yeah, I, you know, I've seen some stomach discomfort. If someone's been keto for a long time and they try and eat a lot of carbs, um, they do have some issues with just because they haven't had carbs in a long time, so they have a little bit of discomfort. But a lot of times I just like to recommend to my clients they start maybe a week at a time and they transition one protein fat meal to a protein carb meal or maybe, maybe two to start just to get them out of ketosis. Mm -hmm. And they slowly transition over from fats to carbs. But like you said, not just all at once because they're going to, they're going to be miserable if they've been on keto for a long time. Exactly. Right. So let's, let's talk about some of the positive aspects for keto, especially when it comes to dieting, because most of the people listening here, we have a lot of diet coaches. We have a lot of trainers. We have a lot of serious gym goers. And a lot of people are interested in diet. I mean, that's just the way it is. Not a lot of muscle gain, but what are some of the positive aspects of keto for dieting and muscle gain? Um, yeah, so basically I think some of the biggest positives is, let's face it, when we think of dieting, we think my life's going to suck. Right. right. You know, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Sal, Sal's over there yeah. Yeah. clenching. I feel your pain. Yeah. All so, of you people, I feel your pain. Exactly. So you're, you're thinking, I'm going to be super hungry. I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to crash. I can't focus. And I can't have the foods that I want to have. The advantage, I think, is keto as a tool, as an option, is that it's very satiating, meaning that you're not as hungry. So when you're actually in between meals, sometimes you forget about food. Because when you're in between meals, now your body could tap into your fat and turn it into ketones. And that actually makes your brain think that, oh, I actually have a great energy source. So I'm not as hungry. And it allows you to think. That's the number one thing I would say. Number two is you can kind of eat the foods that are like, were like, oh, before I can't have those. I mean, think about it. You're dieting and you're eating bacon, right? Um, which is my favorite fat source, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and blue cheese. And then people are like, well, what about I can't have bread i can't have dessert it's actually uh, not the case you can make it's easy to cook keto you can like uh like for example i made i made a cheesecake and i took macadamia nuts grinding them up and use that as a crust right i mean cheesecakes is just really high fat anyway so you can actually have you know or use almond flour or things like that so i think that's the benefits is that you don't crash um you're adapted to use fat as fuel and it works. Like you lose a lot of fat. Um, and when you are dieting, ketones spare muscle. So you might not lose as much muscle. 
you know the the other thing too um just your blood your blood sugar levels are just more stable when you don't have especially if you're on a moderate carb diet and you only have carbs at maybe three meals a day and the other meals you know you have that you know you have blood sugar up and down you don't really experience that because it's more of a stable blood sugar level whenever you're in ketosis so i've noticed that is one of the things my clients like i like it myself um what about um, some of the negative aspects of keto? Like, what are some of the drawbacks that, that people need to be aware of? So the biggest thing we're looking at in our lab is what's called like a well-formulated ketogenic diet. And basically that means a diet that is just, it works. It's, it's, you know, targets all the problems. The biggest problems are not having a well-formulated ketogenic diet. Remember I said that it took me 10 times before I even really got it right? It means I was tripping all over the place. And this is like, you know, I'm, I study this stuff and you still trip all over the place. So first thing is basically it's not understanding stuff and it's uh, not understanding how to do the ketogenic diet that causes the most problems. And, and for example, like, um, and then two, the adaptation phase, I would say that's a negative. You don't feel good. Like Sal did, had the keto flu and anyone who's done keto has gotten that. And that's not a good, that's not a good thing. Um, and so I would say also people who don't really understand. So like I've had guys in studies, um, we monitor everything and we say, oh, this is what you can do this is what you can't do. They get prescribed a diet and it's like, oh, wait a second. Like I thought a banana was keto, right? It's not <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think the misunderstanding of macronutrients across the board is, is where most people trip. It's really impressive. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. I mean, I had my brother-in-law in town this weekend, and he was talking about how he's on a low-carb diet last night. I mean, you're looking, he's like, he gets an apple with dinner, and, you know, like, he's eating fruit all day. And I'm thinking, you know, most people don't understand. And we get this question all the time Yeah. here at First Form. It's like, oh, I'm low-carb, and what do you start your morning out? I start my morning out with a, you know, with a fruit smoothie, and you're like, yeah. oh, you just <laughs> fucking ruined it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, right out of the gate, you were, you know. Exactly. So, um, and they're in this, quote-unquote, keto diet. Right. Yes. But they assume that because it's fruit, it's okay. And they stumble along the way. I mean, it's, 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 I think to me, it's education. You know, you have to learn and educate yourself on if whatever diet you're going to do, you have to educate yourself on it so you can stick to it because the diet that works is the one you're most willing to do and stick to over a long period of time. 100%. The next, and the next biggest thing I see is honestly fiber intake. Yeah, definitely. They, they, people don't get, so they'll go, oh, I'm going to go keto. That means it's just burgers and bacon. But in reality, it's burgers, bacon, and vegetables, and maybe a fiber supplement. It's very, very important to understand because what happens is that um, you, and this is kind of a, a whole nother podcast that we can get into at another time, but um, our gut health is very important, like super important. In fact, the majority of our cells in our body are actually bacteria. And they control all sorts of stuff. Um, in fact, like we've known for years, like if you look at like um, cattle and stuff like that, they give them antibiotics to fatten them up. So the, the, you know, basically bacteria are very good. Well, what happens? What do they eat? The stuff that our small intestine can't digest. What's that? Corn, grain. Yeah, right. yeah. And what's in, there, it's, it, what's in there is fiber. So when we cut out all that, all the carbs, we cut out all the fiber, and those little guys down there die. Was and, that a food, was that a food Inc. reference there? Yeah. yeah. Remember when they opened up yeah, that yeah, gal yeah. and they reached <laughs> it? It was. You know? It was 100%. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, that's why every single person on earth, and I'm, I'm, I, I tell every single person I introduce to, you know, because they all sports supplements, sports supplements, you know, I'm a believer in protein, and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, a quality probiotic, 
Yep. And a high quality fish oil. Mm -hmm. Start there. Exactly. Let's understand that. Like if you can get if you can take that daily, understand that. Now we'll go to the next level. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. And and a lot of and you brought fiber up. You know, a lot of people when they go Great keto, point. they don't get enough fiber, so they get backed up. Um, and they experience, you know, not being able to go to the bathroom and it's a miserable experience. So they automatically think the problem is because they went on keto, they're backed up. So that's one of the negative side effects when the problem was they weren't having enough fiber. They didn't pay attention to that. So let's let's talk about the nuts and bolts on how to start this and then really get down into letting people know the different processes that are associated with keto. So your recommendations, you, you talk about 20 to 25 percent protein, 5 percent carbs, 75 percent fat. Um but a lot of it's based off body mass too, like lean body mass. Um, so if someone's like real low calorie, that might be the only time that I see any issues. You know, if someone starts off like 20% protein, but they're already really low calorie, their protein might be like really, really low. So I think one of our, one of the struggles we have with setting the diet up for everyone is it really depends on what their starting point is, how much lean mass they have, well, how, how obese they are. Let's so just take tough. me as an example, right? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm 2,500 calories. I'm 250 pounds or 245, 2,500 calories a day, 40, 40, 20. That's what I live off of. If I were to switch tomorrow to a ketosis diet, I'd be willing to do this, except I'm moving right now. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to fuck up my progress. And he likes pizza too much. I do like pizza, but it's one of those things <laughs> and that. Beer. And beer. And beer. <laughs> Does beer go on? If beer goes into the keto diet, I know Klein, Klein, one of my best friends, he's a keto lover. We talked about earlier. He's not afraid to have a vodka or 10. Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, where do my calories move, and like, how would you set it up? Yeah. Okay. So you're about two thousand five hundred calories. Correct. Okay. So basically, um, you know, again, what we would do is probably take about twenty twenty five percent of that and turn that to protein, um, and then the rest is almost going to be all fat. So, with, but the the caloric intake is the same. Caloric intake would be the same. So you wouldn't up that. You know, I'll tell you what. Because it's twenty five percent of. Uh, of 2,500 calories. I'm nowhere near my protein, even my lean mass, not even at 0.8. Well, and, and that's, and that's, that's the issue because, you know, Jake's talking about, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but most people have their calories in a good place. You know what I mean? Should be able to switch over and get enough protein. But a lot of people are under eating so much, especially females. Like if a female is eating a thousand calories and all of a sudden, because Let's just face it. We see this all the time. Someone eating a thousand calories all of a sudden wants to switch over and do keto and try and keep dieting. The problem is their calories are low in general. So one of the one of the things that I've I've done with my clients and it seemed to fit really well is I've based their protein. I started out this way. I take their their lean mass. I have them get their body fat done, and whatever their lean mass is, they get one gram of protein per pound of lean mass, and they start with protein. That way, we know damn sure it's not too low. And then they make sure they get 30 carbs or trace, trace and under, you know, most of that's going to be fiber. And then the rest that they have allotted is going to go with fat. And at the end of the day, they're going to end up with enough protein. Their carbs are going to be nothing except for fiber, very low. The problem they run into is they don't have a lot of fat, but the issue there is they were already too damn low calorie. That was the issue. So on my end, I kind of err on the side of making sure they get enough protein first and if their fats are too low, well, honestly, they they probably shouldn't be dieting in the first place. They need to work on getting the calories up. But that's that's the issue I see right now, being able to come up with a system for everyone. Because so many people are so low-calorie, they shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to the protein intake. So that's that's something I'd like to see you know, fixed over the long term. Yeah, so especially you, you lift a lot and stuff like that. I think the key is you're right. I think you might – that's a good point. You could either – what you could do is either – 
up your protein to like 30%, which right. would probably fall around where you want it. Right. And then your fats are going to be the kind that are turn into ketones a lot more readily. And a lot of like dairy fats, like heavy cream is high in um, a special kind of fat that's called medium chain triglycerides. They're special kind of fat. They get burned almost like carbs, but they get turned to ketones very fast. Butter is high in short chain fatty acids uh, and medium chain, and they get converted to ketones very rapidly. And then you could even supplement with MCTs. That might be a good way to transition. Like you point out, usually when someone does is on, on the calories you are and you switch right over, you would probably lose fat pretty quick. So if you're like, I want to maintain my weight but switch over, then maybe you had 250 calories or, uh, onto your normal calories you would eat and start like that. It's a really good point. Gotcha. So my six-pack bag would consist of like six ounces of eye of round steak and one stick of butter per meal. Per, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like a salad. Yeah, I would say throwing some broccoli for some yeah. fiber or, or salad. or. Yeah, exactly. So like you might have like a big, huge salad, um, you know, with like, uh, romaine, um, spinach in it, ranch dressing on it, um, bacon on top of that, you know, and then maybe like a 80, 20, um, you know, ground beef burger. Right. Yeah. Don't tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so really good. Ready, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm biting off yeah. on it. I'm Let's like, go yeah, have I'm, lunch. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going ketosis tomorrow. Yeah. yeah so I, I, th- I think the, one of the main points is make sure your calories aren't really low to start because if yeah. you switch, you have to really pay close attention. But that's key in any diet. You're, yeah. Sure. And that's I mean, honestly, that's, that's a huge problem we have in our industry. I mean, that's why I wrote the damn book. The very I, first book. I know that. that I'm in the yeah. industry. I mean, and I'm the prototypical eat 1200 calories a day. I'm busy. I don't give a shit. I still work out. I don't really care. Blah, 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 blah. Come in and I'm fat, you know, cause time and lifestyle catches up to me. And then first thing you do, you go seek a diet coach. I got great ones that, you know, with access every day. First thing you do is up the calories, you know, 3000 calories right out of the hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm eating all the time and, you know, but it, it's 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 common sense or, or it's it's just human nature to think well if I'm gonna lose weight I gotta eat less mm-hmm. right I mean it's yeah. eat less exercise more I mean that's whatever that's what the message is told right and you know Jake I've seen this so I, I want to get your take on this I've just seen this anecdotally with my clients just because you're just because you're going to switch to keto doesn't mean that you have to start dropping calories to diet per se so I I have a lot of people that are in the off season. Or they just want to, you know, it's swimsuit season's coming, right? Yeah. So they want to they want to get a little bit of fat off. But I don't have a lot of room to really pull their calories down. I'm working on getting their metabolism in a good place. And I've seen people when I just switch them for short periods of time, like, well, I guess it's not really short. For a couple, like two to three months maybe, I just switch them over to keto in the off season. They've actually lost fat just by keeping their calories the same. Um, have you seen any research, or have you seen that personally? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there's there, and that's the thing about responder and non-responder. Someone's calories low, and you can't lower them anymore, and they're no longer responding. Change their metabolic state, you know, and I, it, it, it could work. You're just saying change your fuel source. Exactly. Yeah. Change your fuel source. I, I would say, and this is just you know, this is bro science alert. My anecdotal response here is the people understanding that the switch back and forth, you know, is, is important both for changing for body fat loss, but you come back out of keto, you're in ketosis diet for two or three months. And what happens when people, they just switch right away. They go right back to their regular lifestyle and then they start getting fat again yep. because your body starts storing it. Right. So educating yourself on how to convert those calories from fats back to carbs, coming back out of a ketosis diet is huge. Yes, you know? exactly. And you know, I think another another good reason to go ahead and go on a ketogenic diet is if you're someone that pounds carbs a lot year round, 
I know myself, I, you know, I'll just maintain for a year and I'll eat 250, 300 carbs. Won't really gain much weight, but I'll notice I slowly start to get a little bit fatter as the year, as a, about a year, it's almost 12 months to a T. Just get a little bit fatter. I'll check pictures out. So I'll switch over to a high fat keto diet and leave my calories the same. And it's kind of, you know, helps reset, you know, insulin sensitivity because when you're just beating the shit out of your receptors with carbs all the time, you get to the point where you don't use carbs as well. So I like to use it as a tool myself and with some of my clients to kind of help reset their insulin sensitivity for a few months and then go back to eating carbs again, you know, transition in slow. But what do you think as far as that, as far as especially health benefits? I think it's brilliant. I think it's the way to go. I think that basically like you linear diets are something that your body will adapt to. And so it adapts to everything. Yeah. And I think honestly, periodization is not just, training it's mm-hmm. diet as well i think yes, it's awesome definitely. that john just like painted himself in this corner from this hit cardio to steady state cardio thing he's willing to do it with diet <laughs> and understand that a good balanced approach will work in that sense but in in cardio sense he's gonna tie his anchor to one and one only but just just wait a balanced approach will always win just the wait truth lies in the middle because that's that's coming up that's like two points down i'm just waiting for my popcorn to get done because i'm gonna watch jake hand you your ass no on steady i'm just state you just said it. Cardio. You just said it. A balanced approach. You know, there's there's no your body adapts to both I, ways. I didn't say anything about balance. I said reset <laughs> insulin sensitivity. But but no, no, that you know, that's a great point, Sam. We're actually going to get to that because cardio is very key, I believe, when it comes to keto. But first, so now we have it set up. Like people know they've got a couple different ways to how to set their keto diet up, make sure they're getting enough fiber. Let's talk about the signs to expect because you talked about the the keto headache, the fogginess. So let's let's say, say this Monday, all right. Sal's going to start a keto diet. It's not happening. Well, <laughs> after Sal moves, but say say this Monday, we're going to start Sal. Sal's going to start a keto diet. What can he expect to see over the next two weeks? Because there's, let's just face it, people are going to hear this podcast and they're going to go fucking do keto. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling you right now, Jake's here. I want to go do keto. No, I, I I mean keep, I do. I'm I a keep geek. telling myself I just want to eat bacon. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Chad. Yeah. <laughs> But, but then I think about that keto flu, and I'm like, man, fuck that. I ain't yeah. don't do well, that again. So, so, but here's the so thing. So how can we eliminate it? Yeah, think, think of, well, just talk, walk people through what they should expect, even with the perfect setup, because there are signs that people need to make sure they understand so they're not thinking their body's freaking out on them. Yep. So at first, especially, uh, and we'll talk about how to overcome this, the number one thing people are going to see is, like, brain fog. So I remember when I was back, when I was lecturing in university, um, I, I was lecturing, and uh, basically – in the middle of my lecture, I was like, yeah, what was I talking about? Can yeah, you remind right? me? The class, you know, <laughs> literally didn't know what I was what I was lecturing on. And so you get a brain fog where you'll just be in a conversation. All of a sudden, you'll just stop and be, yeah, I don't know where I'm at, et cetera. So that's the brain fog. Is you, it's, it's, it's like that. Your workout, you won't have the endurance that you had before. So at first, it's going to be like, you know, say your workouts are normally like an hour and 20 minutes. You'll be in 20 minutes. You'll be like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not getting a pump anymore. I don't want to do this. Your motivation's kind of down. Uh, those are the things that I notice the most um, when going through this adaptation phase. Um, you're not regular. Those are the things that people will see uh, uh, automatically. So the real question is, how can you get over that? And is there is there a world? A perfect world where you don't hit that at right. all. Uh, I think that that's what we're working on. And this is what, if I had my perfect transition, what I would say, if someone was transitioning, what would you do? Number one, you got to jump, you got to get in. Don't like pretend, don't straddle. 
just like in business, right. it's not going to work, right? Right. You either go all in or you don't. Balls so, to the wall. Balls to the wall. So you jump in, you're 75% fat, et cetera. Second thing to do is I think what Sal's talking about, that's probably not the time to calorie restrict because you're already going through problems, okay? Number two is the quicker you can deplete glycogen, the faster you're going to get in. And that, so a lot of people, should I back off of my workouts? You know, no. Like actually Ryan Lowry in our lab and another guy, Chris Irvin, did research where they actually did interval training during the keto period to deplete. Right, to hammer them out. To hammer it out. And they actually keto adapted faster. Makes it, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of my clients do 20 to 30 reps that first mm-hmm. week yeah. just to deplete glycogen levels and to get them train hard, but train 20 to 30 reps, and it just it depletes you faster. Yep, that's the crossover point. Number And then the next thing to do, number three, is having a ketogenic, meaning fats that turn to ketones really well, and that's medium-chain triglycerides. Now, the, the trick is that people are, oh, I'm going to buy MCT oil. I'm going to take a bunch of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Literally. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'll say it at the same <laughs> the time. They're greasy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better have really good toilet paper. Yeah, Trust literally. me, I've experienced this as well. Yeah. So Great it, visual. <laughs> so coconut, I feel like coconut oils not doesn't give you that. It's not as ketogenic as like pure MCTs, but now I think uh, there's, there's powders out there. You can get like uh, like MCT powder, and you don't have the same response. You can actually tolerate a lot more. Um, and then, like I said, butter, cream, a lot of that. You got to get your fats up. That'll get ketones high enough so your brain can now function. And then um, also, there's stuff like um, actually, there's supplemental ketones out there that, to be honest, if you're taking them during the first two weeks, you probably won't have that same fog. Yeah. You know, one of the, this is where I get real geeky with it. I like to actually recommend like glucose disposal agents like mandel sulfate and chromium and things like that, just because of their nature to be able to clear blood sugar, which causes your liver to kick more, more stored glycogen out. So you actually burn through it faster using glucose disposal agents. And a lot of people listening probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but things like vanadyl, chromium, ALA or RLA, um, I'd love to see more of that put into some keto research because I've been real big on that, especially after my clients carb up and they have to get back into ketosis, you know, up up the the uh, the reps and then use GDAs for a day, and it really seems to help them not have those bad effects. Great point. Like that's our lab's been looking a lot into glucose disposal agents, and and seems to do just what you said, get ketones higher. And also, if you kind of cheat or something like that gets you back in quicker. So I 100% agree with glucose disposal agents being very helpful. So how long would it take for, let's just say, I started Monday, right? I have a moderate carb intake now. I train high intensity pretty regularly or every day. How long would I, ex- would it, would I expect to get into ketosis? I would say if you had the MCTs, if you went heavy on the ketogenic, like if you had a lot of coconut oil, coconut butter, if you ha- also had... Um, maybe some sort of supplemental ketones for the first week that you could bypass that. You mean those nasty salts? Yeah. yeah well, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly. And the other thing I'm going to say, yeah, they don't taste good. But yeah. The, other, the, yeah. the other thing I would say is this. What happens when you go keto, one of the reasons why you lose like the muscle fullness and stuff, your body doesn't hold on to sodium as well. So if you're having the same sodium in- in- intake, that you'll actually, that's part of what causes the, the keto um, uh, fog and the keto flu. Meaning what I'm basically telling you is that you want to salt a lot of your foods now. 
And yeah. Makes sense on my keto salts, right? Like in my head. Yeah. Electrolyte tablets. Yeah. That'll get you where you don't get the flu. So those are that's my advice. And then again, biggest thing I want to say, I would say it probably take you a week if you did that. Seven days? Yeah. Yeah. And and you'll start to feel, <clears throat> whoa, I feel normal again with right. all of those things. The last thing again, I am emphasizing enough, fiber. I would say for like net carbs, like your net carbs are 30 grams, but I'll, as much fiber as you can. So like something I experienced when I did it the first time, you know, because I, I did mine purely off of get on the internet, Google it, try it, fail, move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just truth. So I went, you know, I ordered my ketone strips and, and dude, I kept peeing on these things. And I swear I would never, I would, I feel like I was never in ketosis. I trained harder and harder and I'm, I got a pretty good mindset, like to be able to go into that black zone and, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm obviously educated enough to know the difference between fats and carbs and proteins. And what, what was I missing? Well, let me ask you, on, on your training, do you do you do cro- CrossFit? Type? I do, Boom. every day. Uh, this is what I think the answer to that is. So remember I said that basically um, the transporters that transport lactate into muscle also transport, um, also transport the ketones. So inevitably, if you take someone who's a little bit chubby, and they don't train. They're sedentary. Again. Uh, Again. <laughs> We're going around the table here. Damn. We're going around the table. John's next. I'm going to get it from John. Damn I'm going to kick your ass. No. John uh, probably paid him to say it. He's like, hey, here's 10 bucks. <laughs> well, they're, they're sedentary and they don't train. What I notice is when they go keto, all of a sudden their ketone six are black. Well, what's going on? A lot of body fat, which can turn to ketones, and they don't have the transport capability. What you're measuring in the urine is what wasn't transported. What you're measuring in the blood is what wasn't transported. Someone who does very high volume uh, CrossFit type of stuff, they actually have the transporters to transport ketones into their tissue very well. What does that mean? You're going to actually have less than someone else. So you're actually might be easier to adapt than someone else. You might not even see it in your urine at all. You have to look at your blood. And even then, your blood's going to be 0.3 to 0.5 millimoles, I would predict, whereas a sedentary person might be 3 millimoles. Now, here's what people always get caught up on. They'll go like, oh, boom, I'm 3 millimolars, and you're looking, and I'm like, man, I'm 0.3, I'm 0.5. I'm not doing it as good as you. I'm doing everything right. Well, here's it turns out this. Think about this. What is diabetes, right? Diabetes is very high blood glucose levels. So normally our blood glucose is, you know, if your blood glucose resting is like 200, you're not going, boom, it is, this is freaking awesome. No, you're right. like, no, I'm diabetic. Right. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Yeah, exactly. I think it's similar to basically uh, ketosis. People who are really good at, at using ketones are going to have lower blood levels, and they won't see anything on urine strips. Like me, if I, like, if I use the urine strips, I see nothing. Even if my blood ketone levels are like 0.8, I see nothing on the urine strip. So I think it just, you're very adapted. You, you can use them so you don't see them in your urine. And the other thing too is, you know, people that, that pee on the keto strips and they don't see it during the day and they're drinking a lot of water, it's very diluted. So it'll show True. very low levels. So what I tell my clients, they're freaking out. I'm like, listen, your protein's not too high. You're only eating fiber, basically very few trace carbs. You're in ketosis. You feel great, but I tell them to pee on it in the morning right? Because you're not pounding water when you sleep, you wake up and it's, it's more concentrated. So you'll see more ketones in the morning. So that that's one thing I have noticed that throws it off as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I I asked that question because it was like, kind of like the final, you know what, this isn't working for me. And it's, you know, 
just personal experience. You know, I had the flu and I, I battled through it. I mean, it was like 24 hours of hell. Yep. Got up the next day, trained, did my deal. It was like two or three days later. I'm still peeing on these strips. I'm two and a half weeks into this thing, and I'm like, yeah. I don't you even, know what I don't even have my clients use them. Yeah, yeah well, I, I have yeah. them go based off how they feel, honestly. But I would say that you know, to our listeners, I want to make sure that they great don't point. experience what I experienced and great quit point. two weeks into it because they get disappointed. That's a well, great point. Yeah, I have had guys who have been keto for years, and they go, you know, the only way to get in keto- ketosis is to, for me, is to fast. You know, every other day, which is, by the way, podcast in itself, like intermittent fasting. And I go, and my thing I'm telling is like, you know what? Maybe it's because you're really keto adapted and you're just taking those ketones up. You shouldn't be discouraged. It's how you feel. Guys like us, we might only see 0.3 to 0.5 in our blood and nothing on our urine. Right. What's your dog? Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so wait, wait. So people need to yeah, understand do- yeah. uh, Jake's dog is on keto. Yes. Like literally, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So basically, um, we grew up with like boxers and, uh, you know, like my mom is obsessed with boxers. You can't convince her to get another dog. Right. No matter there what. There is no other breed. There's no other breed. There's boxers and then dogs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, exactly. I was like, you know, mom, if you have like a mix, they probably will live, you know, longer. They're bulletproof. They're bulletproof. Right. right? But she's like, no, you know, I got a boxer. So anyway, so the boxers, they always die at like five, six years old. They get cancer. They get, um, you know, they'll get um, seizures. And it's the saddest thing. So basically, this dog is 10 and is more healthy than any boxer we ever had, like, who's like five. And had a tumor. That's why we actually put him on keto. Had a big tumor on his shoulder, and the tumor disappeared. So his name's Marley, right? But uh, anyway, he's loving it. What so smoke weed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so maybe that's the key. Yeah, right? Maybe that's, that's right it. There. Might not be the keto. So, but what dog doesn't like to eat meat exactly. and like fat? And you're basically, it's like you know, basically like if you have a lot of bacon, you just put the bacon grease with the with the ground beef, throw vegetables in there, coconut oil, some MCT powder, and the dog's in heaven. Right. So those are. I okay. wonder if the dogs get keto flu. You know, if he like laying there on the ground one day and he's like, "Fuck you, dad." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing to me. Okay, so we, we've got a couple more, a couple more points to hit on, and then we'll wrap it up. And then we have some rapid fire questions for you, which we're it. going to be fun. So, all right. So this this will be, you know, we we need to have a whole podcast on this in the future. By the way, maybe we'll have you back. But let's talk about steady state cardio or hit cardio. All right, what? What's your take on cardio levels whenever you do whenever you do keto? Um, that's a really good question. So I like I said it depends on the goal. I mean, we have like a lot of listeners who are here who are basically their goal is to do like triathlons or endurance, in which case they should train for their sport, I would say. Um, so it basically depends on your sport. If your goal is like retain as much muscle as possible and lose as much body fat as possible, then hit will be the base. And then everything else will have to be sort of titrated in or, like, you know, used um, as sparingly, you know, more sparingly. So do cardio based on your lifestyle? Like yeah. your goal? Yeah. Huh. Exactly. The goal. What's, huh. what's your goal? Yeah. And, and with a lot of the research that you've been talking about just here today, it's kind of had me kind of open my mind because I'm really – I mean, I have a lot of my clients just do, just do uh, hit interval training. So mm-hmm. with what you've said kind of about the mm-hmm. duration and the, the long-distance stuff – and people reacting very well beyond a keto diet. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's at least opening my mind up. But we we have a running joke here, like you know. So obviously, it's the doctor 
the the bro and the average Joe, right? Like that's kind of the <laughs> that's the our mix. podcast. Yeah, I mean that's the mix. Yeah, I'm like a it's, hybrid of all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because you know then Chad will go in, and that's where the you know science takes five years to catch up. Blah 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 yeah. blah. We start getting into this thing, so we've had this hit versus that. It seems to like make its way into like every conversation, you know, because I do yeah. hit and steady state, and I walk my dog, you know, like you know, yeah. like, oh, you gotta, you know, if you're not. Run doing that hit, dog. you're gonna run that. Yeah, dog right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We just have this, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of fucked dog. up, funny it. conversation. I love it. Which I love the point, the fact that Chad said that science takes five years to catch up, and maybe ten years. And a lot of it, I think, is in the scientific community. It's it's like you see something new, like you look at an athlete, and you guys know you're out on the field, and an athlete puts on a ton of muscle in a certain amount of time. You look in the literature, and you don't see it. Well, why why the disparity? Why the disparity? Because the guys out in the field are training hardcore six days a week, two-a-days, throwing up. The ones in the lab are training two to three days a week, pansy full-body workouts. Right. Average, average anyone. Like, hey, you want to be in a study? Come on over. Right, right. You want and some free product? You want some free product? <laughs> Come over. And you wonder why there's... You, you can't find that in the literature. Yeah, you can't, but you can in the real world. Right. And that's why, like, guys like Chad, guys like myself, we're trying to study the real world. Right. And it's totally different, you know? Yeah, very good point. Um, one more thing. Let's talk about some advanced um, protocols. I know when people come off a diet, and here's another podcast by <clears> itself, <throat> is how to come off a diet. And it's, it's essentially reverse dieting. But, um, Jake, you were a, a speaker. You're a keynote speaker at the Physique Summit Conference that – Cliff Wilson, which I is awesome, owned. by the way. Yeah, that was a blast last year. And yeah. I had talked about keto that my presentation was on keto there. And you and I talked off to the side about when someone comes off a diet, mm-hmm. if they come off and they reverse diet and they start adding fats into their diet, it helps restore their hormone levels, testosterone. So the idea of reverse dieting in a ketogenic state actually shows some benefits. I think it's brilliant. I think if you look Right now, we have very little studies of people coming off contests, and they're all case studies. But when you always look, the first thing they do is add fat, and several months later, they can start to add muscle. Why would your body, from a survival standpoint, it's not smart at all to go, hey, I just came off a contest. I know the first thing I'm going to do is add a tissue that it uses a bunch of calories. Right. Bing, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so what happens, your, your body wants to store fat. So the, the, the concept is, why not? change its metabolic state to now its primary fuel source is fat in fact it has to use fat because you're not giving it carbs maybe we can blunt some of the that negative effects of coming out of the contest yeah very very interesting we need more research we definitely do for sure so i I have a question is keto for everyone great question and the answer i would say is no what about every athlete can every athlete at least in the short term in your head I would say it's I would say this almost the same thing. It, basically, it's like when we look at studies again, you see like responders and non-responders. Someone might respond phenomenal to carbs. They could take in tons of carbs and stay lean, and they perform like a machine. Right. For them, you know why? 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 Do why would even go there? I yeah. mean, Brian, we have Brian Teach in house, who's you know head of our customer service, and he's you know a bodybuilder, been a you know bodybuilder for the last fifteen years. He's a carb machine. He, yeah. He's lean as hell. He looks great. Feels great, stronger than an ox. I mean, you know, keto's probably not his answer, right? Doesn't yeah, have to be. Exactly. And and now, and I was to say that that could change across lifespan. So you have an athlete who's super active, they retire from full time athletics, now all of a sudden they're on the same diet, boom. You know, or for example, like if you look at like in the NFL. That happened to me. I mean, 
happens my whole entire life, you know, college athlete, pro athlete, banging it out, banging it out. And I was always able to stay from 218 to 228. I never moved. Yeah, yep. I never changed my diet. In fact, I didn't even know what the fucking diet was. Yeah. I just, I worked hard. I, I ate what kind of, you know, somewhat clean, drank some beers, and I never moved, yeah. you know? And exactly. My lifestyle changed. Yep. And guess what? I got fatter. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. So maybe it's like you have a whole athletic career and now you can't do the same thing. You know, or so I would say it depends. It, it's it's all customizable. That's why I think most people, and this is why the one reason why I like John a lot is because John has a lot of tools in the toolbox. Right. But most like prep coaches or coaches in general. Dude, you it's know, my my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, you know, it's, my way is better than your way. Exactly. Fuck your way. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? There's, exactly. there's right. a bunch of different ways. Right. Uh-huh. And that's my biggest thing is like, you'll never hear me on research, like take a sense, go, you're stupid because this is better than that. No, like humans are different. Their lifestyles are different. They Genetic respond differently. Genetic different. Genetic makeup's different. You know, and so I think it's more like, this is a tool. It may work for you listening. Do I recommend trying it? So, you, yeah. For I, sure. Absolutely. You don't know unless you try, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, you know, made my way through college. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I, our message here is definitely not, <clears throat> listen, keto is the best. This no, is, I this think is it's a great information. Yeah. yeah. yeah this I think has it's been a, really informative. Yeah. It's, it's a tool in a toolbox it, yeah. to get a job done. And, you know, just real quick before we hit these rapid fire questions, Sal, you, you had mentioned, you know, Teach, a good friend of ours, he's a car machine. But I have, and this this is bodybuilding, right? So it's, this is not a lot of our listeners. But I had a guy who's a car machine named Robert Johnson that I couldn't get the last five pounds off him trying to carb cycle, and I took him keto. That guy looked fucking insane. He won the world championship in 2013, but he's a carb machine. But his fats were like, we had like 180 grams of fat a day. But when you think someone's a certain way, you'd right. be surprised some of the, the responses people get with keto or Leslie – Hitting that world record squat, going at 50 pounds in five months on high-fat keto. Like, I never would have thought that. But so, that's I why mean, you've had your success, though, because you're, you're able to open up your mind to think, all right, maybe this isn't the answer for this guy who I thought this. Let's We got to, even in this critical time, we got to step outside and try over here. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a lot of guys will just pound their dick through the dirt trying to prove their ways right and yeah. not really doing what's best for their client. Well, I mean, Sal, on, I mean, we're going to pick on you again. I mean, you've picked on yourself enough for being fat, but I mean, literally, if if we so, had, so we effectively did fat, fat. Yeah, I had fat. I had to get mine in. So in Tyler calls yeah. me fat. I'm punching him because I'm close enough. You just you have Tyler's mic, so he's kind of limited That's over right. there. But if if I had to generalize someone that might respond well to a keto diet, I would say probably someone with your kind of Fuck. endomorphic mesoendo frame. However. I've seen that shit not work. I've seen guys like mm-hmm. you diet eating 300 carbs a day for a bodybuilding show, eating ice cream at five of their meals, literally. But it just, you never know. That's that's the point. Like, I will never sit here and say, oh, keto will get you there. Like, Sal, you may try it Monday, and you may hate that shit and not respond no, as when, well as when what we think. he tries it Monday. No, yeah, I'm well, moving now. He's I'm going to keep moving until I, until I stop. When I yeah. kind of get to that yeah. last whatever, maybe, maybe I'll switch. We're, we're mixing the Kool-Aid up over bacon here. To his office on Monday. I wonder if I get my meal prep lady to like just make me, like, you know, hey, can you make me the fattest, grossest meal every day? It would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's wrap this up with some rapid fire questions, cool. Jake. These yeah. are these are fun. So all you have to do is just kind of finish it or just give your thoughts on it. Okay, flexible dieting is it, a tool. Yeah, uh, 
like you're a tool if you do it or yeah. a tool. <laughs> I was speaking both. To be honest. I'm giving the politically correct answer right now. Oh, that's awesome. It, so you're a tool if you eat Pop-Tarts, basically. <laughs> funny, funny story. I sent a whole box of white trash energy drinks and Pop-Tarts down to Jacob Wilson's lab <laughs> in like 2014. And they were like posting on Facebook. And I heard Jake didn't even fucking touch one of them. He's like, nope, not doing it. So, okay. You are a bro if? Um, if greater than 10 reps is cardio for you. Oh, my gosh. I'm nice. probably a bro then. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did bro science. <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. So you have a brother named Gabe Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Who's the bigger geek, Jacob Wilson or Gabe Wilson? Because I've met you both, and it's tough, so I'm going to let it's you t- answer it. I would say Gabe, and Gabe would probably say me. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, brothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and it's kind of like asking, you know, Andy and Sal, who's going to whip whose ass? I mean, we all know Andy's going to whip Sal's ass. <laughs> but... <laughs> okay, so here's here's a good one. This is a personal favorite of mine. So you have to pick one of these. Two hours of steady state cardio or using intermittent fasting protocol to lose weight? I do intermittent fasting. Yeah, I don't. And, and But why is that? Just real quick. Um, he already answered because he, he doesn't want to do cardio. That's it. That's it pretty much. Damn. To be honest, yeah. Okay. The number one way to maximize muscle growth is um, basically changing it, like changing it up. So I think exercise selection. Everyone focuses on reps all the time, and I think that's very important. Even guys who are powerlifters only, will only focus on reps and rest and periodizing that. Change the damn exercise. Like if you are doing squats and you step out and you do the same stance, damn stance every single time, the same low bar every single time, which the guys in the lab are probably laughing at me because that's me. Then, uh, you know, change up the stance, do high bar, throw some chains on there. You've got to change the exercise selection. And that would be my number one advice. Get gotcha. out of your comfort zone. Definitely. All right, so I've got to get this next one on Snapchat. Okay. So if you were stuck on an island what's and you only had one food to eat, what would it be? Um, I would say bacon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sticking to keto. <laughs> You can't go wrong with that. Okay. Um, So pick one of these. Beer, wine, wine cooler, hard liquor, or a mixed drink? Um, I mean, I I like wine. Like, I I collect wine. So I would would go with that. Like, I'm a big wine guy. Sugar, 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 sugar. Beer next. Yep. Yeah. Beer yeah. after that. So, yeah. so what about what about <laughs> wine on keto then? For for those, and honestly, that's actually a real question because I get this. It's ask. a serious, important question. Yeah, right? you would think I, I, would, I fully expected it to be vodka and water coming yeah. out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I just don't like vodka, but, but I don't either. And then I drink, but it's probably know, the most keto. Yeah, yeah. And then I have like ten of them, and I'm blacked out. And yeah, on the floor. And my wife's <laughs> like, "Hello, yeah, exactly. Anybody there?" <laughs> the thing is, like on a science note. uh, Alcohol gets preferentially converted to like fat, fatty acids in your liver. So it can actually be keto, right? So, I mean, I would select out like the light beers and stuff like that uh, with the lower carbs. And then, yeah, honestly, like the vodkas. And um, I know like basically some of the guys in the lab will take, what are those, the little things you squirt in there? Yeah, the Mio. Mio? Yeah. You know, you take the vodka and pour pour that in there and stuff like that. Um, You'll stay keto. You know, if you're going to go the margarita, you're out. It's right. not going to work. <laughs> so so for the people that, that are on a ketogenic <clears throat> diet and they want to have some alcohol, basically just kind of swap out this. Because alcohol is like seven calories per gram. Mm-hmm. 
um, damn, I'm going to have a bunch of my clients want to drink alcohol after oh, this. Yeah. So, you just shot yourself. so, <laughs> so you, you said, basically just yeah. count. You basically yeah. just kind of swap them out for fat. Well, I mean, a, a ketone's seven. So, I mean, that's that's essentially they're about the same. I think the yeah. goal comes down to just don't be an asshole. Yeah. You yeah. Can't, I mean, you could, you know, have a few drinks. You can't have 20. Yeah. It, even keto or not keto, right. basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and my parents, like, are a bit, we're, that's what I'm from California. It's like best wine. Hence out the dog there. named Marley, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like my parents are keto. They have wine. My dad loves wine. He stays keto. I, I think it's in moderation. It's fine. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have a bunch of people want to step on stage and want to drink alcohol and shit. Yeah. So, but hey, whatever. All right. Um, take home points, guys. Which, uh, Sal, you have anything? I mean, I think it's great. I open, you know, it opened my eyes to a lot of, you know, uh, differentiation through the keto you know through the keto aspect right like you know maybe it's not for everybody but i think at some level everybody needs to try it to see if it is for them exactly and maybe you know fight through the flu yeah damn i've got one and and that is simply take take note of jacob's entire message so here we have a scientist who's very devoted to his craft you can tell by his answers he's very very intelligible and very well developed at it but folks it took him 10 times of screwing stuff up before he ever felt like he was really, really good at it. So take that perspective with you. It's not, you can't just listen to this podcast. You can't just go on the website and read one thing and crunch some numbers and start and start doing it and getting it right. So just, just understand that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. But I think that's 100%. human nature, yeah. you know, like no matter what, like most businesses, like entrepreneurs, you know, they fail, you know, the good ones have failed 10 times yeah. before they find one idea. 100%. But most people go out and fail once and quit. Yep. Right. Yes. And I'm, I'm incriminating myself yep. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it does open up, you know, I have an open mind to be able to think, you know, like shit, you know, yeah. but it, it's, you know, you, you got to find what works best for you. And this goes into the hit steady state, whether it's keto or carb or however you work, you have to figure out what works for you, basically what works for your lifestyle. Because if you're going to be successful at any level, you have to be able to commit to it over a long period of time. So it has to fit your lifestyle, you know, so you, you don't know unless you try. And so I would, I would encourage people to try, educate yourself, try, see if it works for you. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Exactly. Jake, do you have any take home points? Take-home points, um, I think that covers it, to be honest. Yeah, what you guys just said. Appreciate you coming up, man. Oh, man, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, how can Let's let's, let's make sure people know where to follow you. So go ahead and give your social media handles and contacts for us. Yeah, so um, my Instagram and my Facebook, um, I guess Twitter too, is at the muscle prof. Um, And that's P-R-O-F, like professor. Oh, excuse me, no, I changed it. It's at the muscle PhD. Ah, gotcha. Sorry, sorry, at the muscle PhD. So that at the muscle PhD, so it's a face again, Facebook, Instagram. And then we are doing like, a, um, we have this muscle PhD Academy thing. So basically like every day we'll cover a study in an infographic, um, and kind of just actually, uh, where you can get the study and the take home points basically in like 20 to 30 seconds. So I think that's Monday through Thursday on our, on our channels. And then on Friday we'll do like a periscope and, then John and I will call each other out on it too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. So, so you have Periscope, you have Instagram, you have Facebook. Yeah, and it's the Muscle PhD. Yep. And do you have Snapchat? Yeah, Snapchat too. Muscle PhD. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. definitely. A lot of people are following. I know Periscope. Your Periscope's very, very popular. So if you're listening, check out his Periscope. Every time his comes on, I jump on there. I mess with him for a little bit, but I'm actually I'm on there trying to learn because I want to better myself and learn from one of the best in the industry. So definitely follow him. 
Guys, if you have questions for us, email us at info at the training and nutrition truth.com. Suggestions, feedback. If you like the show, if you don't, you know, if you don't it. like it, fuck you. Yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> if you love so, it, I love you. Hey, yeah, ideas for future <laughs> guests, topics, whatever you have, questions for us. Um, this has been a great episode, Jake. Thanks for having us on. Oh, thanks for having me. I mean, really thank, thanks it. for thanks yeah, for educating gonna... us. Thanks for educate. Thanks for putting John in his place on hit versus steady state and, and finding a good balance. No, we're gonna <laughs> listen. I'm telling you, we're gonna have a future <laughs> podcast on that. It's it's going. Bring to be it good. on. So for <laughs> myself, I'm two and zero. Oh. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> for myself, Sal, who's about to start keto Monday, Tyler, <laughs> Chad, and Jacob Wilson. Thanks for tuning in. We're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya. Cause I'm deep.